0: Well, hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Uh, I want to welcome everybody to the Innovation Learning Theater. That's where you all are. Uh, We today are going to hear a session about the sound of coming back together, and I love the sound of coming back together, so this is really interesting for me. My name is Wendy Funkhauser. I'm the Vice President of Client Services with ISS. ISS is a leading workplace experience and facilities management company. We partner with clients all over the world to magnetize their workspaces through employee engagement and wellness. We do this while making a very small impact on the environment, and we take care um, and we take care um, and maintain property all over the world. We're pleased to sponsor today's session, and with that, I'm very pleased to introduce Greg Miller, uh, principal at Cerami and Associates. Welcome, Greg.
1: Thank you very much. Um, It is my pleasure to be here. Um, It is a very curious space for an acoustician like myself to be. Um, In addition to acoustics, uh, Cerami of course also does AV technology with our very small screen here um, and uh, IT and security systems design and so that's who we who we are Um, but I'm here today to talk about something that we're probably all facing which is the adjustments to returning to the hybrid workplace and what that actually means um, in terms of the future. So today's workplace is all about interaction and communication and there's really nothing new about that. Uh, Yesterday's workplace was is all about communication, as was the workplace iteration before that, the workplace iteration before that, and before that. And in many ways, there's nothing new under the sun. As human beings, we love to connect, and we love to communicate. And more than anything else, we connect and we communicate through sound. It's not just verbal communication. We also evaluate our sense of privacy and confidentiality based on what we hear around us. We judge the mood in a room based on its sound. Is there a buzz of excitement or a morose silence? We consider whether it feels comfortable or uncomfortable. In total, the sound of a space, um, the sound of a space, the acoustics of an office help us answer the question do I want to be here? Do I belong here? And can I do what I need to in this place? So this talk is all about the answer to those questions. How does the sound of today's workplace allow people to feel like that's where they want to be? Now, we can answer that question from two two perspectives I have up here. The perspectives, one I think of as expectations, which is what people bring to the workplace when they come to it. How do I want it to sound? How do I want to be here? Is it better to be in the office, or is it better to stay away? And then the execution side of things, which really has to do with the real estate planning and design side. Do we need the same kind of spaces as before? Do we need different ones? Can we design something that fits our evolving needs? So pre-pandemic, the corporate workplace was acoustically and technologically speaking at all, uh, speaking at least, organized into various zones of activity. You adjusted yourself based on the space that you were moving into. Open plan spaces had the buzz of activity. Private offices were quiet retreats. Conference rooms, some had video conferencing, some didn't have video conferencing. Shared amenity spaces were, you know, kind of noisy, but no big deal. You're only just passing through them anyway. Um, Activities had designated locations and each of those locations had a particular acoustic character that fit fit the job, fit the activity that was happening there. And when done well, these zones of activity did a reasonably good job at supporting different working tasks. They were reliable, predictable, and well-tailored to one kind of activity at a time. But when the pandemic hit in 2020, and we lived with its restrictions for most of the next two years, I tend to think of not what was happening as a revolution of a workplace change, as it was an accelerant. We had some remote work for a while, but hit 2020 and on, we had a ton of it. There was some things, some people were, you know, we were doing Teams meetings, we were doing Zoom meetings, Go-To meeting. whatever else it was. We were doing all of those things, but just not a ton of them. But there was an acceleration that happened. It was jarring. It was disorienting. And it all moved way too fast to comprehend. Um, I don't know how many Harry Potter fans we have in the crowd, but it felt like we accidentally grabbed a port key and landed badly. So my colleagues at Cerami and I have spoken to a lot of people who have come back into their offices over the past year, and we keep hearing the same thing over and over again. It does not sound right. All these open-plan workstations that used to have a nice buzz of activity, they sound eerily quiet, uh, now with fewer people in the office on any given day. And people are taking video calls from their desks and speaking much too loud. I think we've all got one of these guys in our office. Um, that, and this, it's just way too loud when people take the video calls from their desks. And the conference room that had great views, but you could always hear the sirens. Um, they never bothered us before, but now the sirens intrude on every Teams meeting that I'm on in there. And you know what, it just doesn't feel as quietly cozy as the home office I carefully tweaked over the past two years. So why are we struggling with the sound of offices as we return? I'm going to go through a few underlying principles first. Uh, Underlying principles are challenges, and then we'll dive into how we practically address them. So we are all aware of our sound of hearing, our sense of hearing, but most of us don't actually really understand our own sense of hearing, especially when it comes to the workplace. We often make assumptions about what we think we need the acoustics to be to support our work, and we're sometimes wrong. For example, and this is a really key example for what we're talking about here, most people assume that what they need most in order to concentrate is silence. If I just get rid of all the other sounds, I'll be able to focus and concentrate. That's actually, for the most part, not correct. What we need, for, what we need the most, is freedom from distraction, which is a different thing. You see, our brains are spectacular at processing multiple inputs. As sound signals travel through processing centers of our brain, we do a great job at extracting the things we want to hear and assemble those signals into one stream of information. And we identify that as a signal amidst the noise. So using an example of picking out a conversation in a crowded room like you're trying to do right now listening to me, our brain processes any number of cues, including proximity of the speaker to us, knowledge of language to identify and cue in on words that are being strung into sentences. And once we hone in on that one stream of information, our brains grab onto it and process it. In the workplace, however, we're typically doing the reverse. We're trying to avoid being distracted by sounds that we hear. So there's two potential scenarios I'm going to talk about here. The first one is when you think you have the quiet you need. You may think that you want to be in a quiet setting, but in a quiet setting, our brains shift into high awareness mode. And there's a reason for this. If you rewind back a couple of thousand years, you're walking through the forest, calmly gathering berries. You hear the nice sound of birds, all of that. And then the forest goes silent. All of a sudden, your brain gets primed for input. It starts to get ready. Your adrenal gland starts to get primed and ready to jump out, run away, fight or flight, that instinct. And your brain still does that today when it shifts resources uh, to listen for any disruption. I think we've all been in the scenario where we walk in and we disturb somebody who had a quiet moment. That jumping down your throat that happens when you, when you disturb that person, that's the same fight or flight response that we had from back in the days when we were gathering, gathering berries in the forest. But then we flip to scenario number two, the reverse, which is when you're in a moderately noisy space. Not too noisy, just a little bit noisy. There's some background noise around you, but hardly what you'd consider a buzz of activity. When you are heads down concentrating on your work, your brain is actually working against you quite often because the very same part of your brain that is trying to focus on the task in front of you, your anterior cingulate, if you actually care to know, uh, that same part of your brain is in overdrive, trying to understand the streams of conversation Nearby. The computing power operating in your brain is firing on all cylinders, and at some point, it becomes too much and you lose focus. You look down, you have reread the same sentence in that email in front of you eight times, and it still isn't sinking in what you're really looking for in your workspace for when you're settling in for concentrated work is some background noise but it's more than just a buzz of activity or a wash of sound or it's more just it's more just like a buzz of activity or a wash of sound around you you may be aware that people are conversing nearby but those conversations don't stand out enough for your brain to start queuing in on them but then again, you can still focus on conversations that are happening in front of you. So we'll talk how to, get, how to talk about how to get there in just a minute. But first off, I want to shift gears to another one of the underlying things with all this is about technology. Um, beyond acoustics, as I said, my company designs AV systems, IT um, security systems, and I love technology. When I think about it, though, I think about technology in the same way that I think about natural acoustics. And the pandemic has really helped me solidify my thinking on that. Um, as I said at the beginning of this talk, the workplace is all about interaction and communications, with sound being a huge part of that. And technology isn't something different. It's just an extender an amplifier, a, th- a way of taking our communication that we can do in person and extending it in a broader and broader and broader reach. So when you're speaking to someone on the phone, on a video call, in person, it's all one continuum of communication. And as a result, we need to think of those in the same way. It's I mean, The process of implementing technology in a, in a building is very different product life cycles, procurement processes, design processes, all of those things are obviously very different between technology and acoustics. But if we get away from thinking about them from an implementation standpoint and think about them from a purpose standpoint, you can see how they tie together, and they have to tie together. So consider that my 10-second plug for having the same team design your AV, IT, acoustics, and security. But anyway... um, One of the positive results of the pandemic, though, is that it's made us all, nearly all of us, are now technology power users. Just about anybody can now pull together a virtual meeting with people potentially all all over the world. There's one funny thing, though. We still observe that people on video calls talk loud. You raise your voice. The microphone should be doing the work for you. But for whatever reason, people still tend to raise, not everyone does it, but most people do. I am really looking for the psychological answer for why that is. I don't know. I think maybe it's because you still think of them as far away, but people do still raise their voices. So we have to pay attention to that as we throw more technology use into the mix. And the last underlying principle that we need to pay attention to as we think about the new hybrid workplace is preference. This is just an article from the New York Times a couple days ago. Um, Earlier, I was speaking about the experiential aspect of workplace acoustics and how that's changing. And what I mean by that is that people have always paid attention. People have always paid attention to the experience they have in their workplace, whether or not they like it, whether they feel like it fits their preferred style of working. But they now feel a heck of a lot more empowered to do something about that. A lot of people spent the better part of the last two years customizing their home workspaces or deciding whether they felt like today they were going to work in the dining room or in the bedroom or the basement. It's those If those same people are going to come back and use the commercial real estate that we have all set up for them, they are going to want that real estate to continue to fit their needs. Now, to be clear, this isn't about coddling anyone. This is about recruitment. <laughs> this is about employee retention. It's about productivity. It's about quality of work. We know that most people do better work when interacting in person than they do remotely. There are studies showing it. We need to create spaces that address the preferences of a wide range of workers in the same office space. So we've finally come to the heart of the matter. what do we do now? I mean, we've talked about how our brains process through distraction and how we can maintain focus on sound. We've pointed out some of the ways that the old solutions to workplace design no longer address the acoustic needs of today's hybrid workplace. And now we need to look at addressing those needs today and looking ahead. So first, I'll bring you a bit of good news. What I think we're looking at here is a refinement, not a revolution the human need for connection with other human beings has not changed. We still want the connection of the piazza, the camaraderie of coworkers, the comforts of home. I don't think we're quite ready for the cones of silence yet. That's, you know, ways down the road. We're just evolving the way that we want to meet those needs in our workplace. Specifically, I think we're seeing a change in the emphasis of the workplace, especially when there is the option to be hybrid. The office can be seen less as the place you come in to do work. It's more the place that you come in to collaborate. So first, in terms of strategy, in terms of techniques, things that we've been seeing, things we've been doing, things we've been observing other people do that we're excited about, is looking at from an overall planning perspective. First off, I cannot encourage you enough to sprinkle small meeting rooms throughout your workspaces. Whatever you want to call them, huddle rooms, small conference rooms, whatever, spaces for two to three people to sit down and either meet amongst themselves or connect with others via video calls are going to be used constantly. Even if people use them solo, that's great. Again, the loud talker on a video call, get them off the open plan workspace and into a small huddle room or a telephone room. is going to be really much better for everybody involved. The more that we get these types of calls and meetings away from shared acoustic space, the better. And while we're at it, let's also make sure that tables are oriented in a way that let people look right at the camera and the screen without turning your heads. This one, sorry about the color on that one, that's one I might adjust. I've spent way too many video calls in conference rooms where I'm just turning my head this way to see the screen. It's really a pain. We need to adjust our thinking about what is the front of the room, even in these small rooms. Next element of overall planning I just want to bring up is that at Ceramia we have become big fans of more and more varied amenity spaces, and the rest of our design team members are seeming to do that as well. And when I say amenity spaces, the air quotes are intentional. Uh, For a long time, amenity spaces were tended to be thought of as nice-to-haves, add-ons, but we see them as critical parts of the new workplace, not as entertainment, but as another option for where to work, whether it's an in-house cafe, a space with comfortable chairs, an outdoor terrace, whatever it is, these so called amenity spaces provide another option for where people can work. I mean, an informal collaboration session over coffee in a cafe space can feel more productive than a meeting in a conference room or a Teams call, and often it is. Studies are showing that casual-feeling in-person meetings typically result in greater exchange of creative ideas than virtual meetings. Um, the article I have mentioned, noted up on the screen there, uh, that wasn't just an industry thing where people who want people to come back to work said, yay, in-person you have more collaborative ideas. That's actually, that's in nature. So neutral in terms of in, in terms of that idea but virtual communication curbs creative idea generation was the title of the article it was fascinating to read so beyond just meetings though some people just prefer to do their concentrated work in the settings provided by amenity spaces offering people the chance to move away from their desk set up at an alternate location can have a huge impact on their feeling welcome on their feeling like that they can be productive at the office. And again, pl- sound plays a significant role. The change of environment to move to a place where your brain settles down is not working overtime to process the sounds around you can make a tremendous difference between a productive day and an unproductive day. So now we're going to shift to uh, some more traditional spaces. I'll start with conference rooms. Um, these are spaces where people gather to share critical ideas. Clear communication is critical. The big thing to reinforce here is that every meeting space is a, is a video conference room now. Um, we should just assume that virtual participation is going to be part of every conference room. I'm not saying anything shocking here, but from a design standpoint, the way that you design a room with open microphones in it is different than one that doesn't have it. And I don't mean that to be shocking from a budgetary perspective. It doesn't need to frighten you. A little bit of acoustic treatment, some careful thought process in the integration of the um, audio systems, especially audio systems within the conference rooms, goes a long way towards making the room successful. Um, You ultimately want people to be the most productive in those rooms, and that's the way to do it. And finally, then, we get to the largest contributor of square footage in the workplaces, and that's the desk space for each person in the office. Background noise is crucial here. Even more than any other acoustic variable in this conversation, because that's the main thing that has changed with a hybrid workplace. Partition design, workstation design, surface finishes, those are all the same as they were before. But the the way that background noise either covers over or doesn't cover over the noise around you, the conversations around you, uh, has changed dramatically. To create some of that best necessary background noise, we have to rely on things that will introduce sound into the spaces. We're looking for the right balance between the signal that we want to hear and the signals we don't want to hear. And from our perspective, a lot of that has to do with a more extensive use of sound masking. Now, I know that sound masking has a terrible reputation in some circles. Can't blame you for that. A poorly tuned sound masking system sounds obnoxious. It sounds unpleasant. It kind of grates on your nerves. I am professionally embarrassed by a lot of the sound of sound masking systems that I see out there. But when properly tuned, a sound masking system recedes into the background part of your brain processing. Um, I would say that I would personally hesitate to design any open plan workspace right now without a sound masking system involved when there is any kind of hybrid option. Option to the workspace. Uh, we're also looking at some cool things with biophilic sound masking in terms of changing the background noise level, so that's just a constant rush, but it has some influence from nature. Would love to discuss that with more people, with people at other times. But in closing, I'll just say again, the underlying issues of creating a comfortable, supportive, and engaging acoustic environment are not new. But the realities of the way workers engage with the new hybrid workplace means that we need to consider afresh how we prioritize, how we allocate, and how we design the acoustic character of these spaces. In doing so, we'll end up with workplaces that will support and attract workers for years to come, whether they find themselves in the office 10% or 100% of the time. Thank you. I think there may be time for a question or two, if anybody has anything that's burning in their mind right now. And if not, I'm, I'll be happy to stick around and chat privately with people. So yes. 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 This 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 was a, a sound masking system that had been turned off or disabled at some point, um, and they need to to get that back up and running and probably tuned again, maybe too. So you can talk. Yes. About what I'm
0: saying.
1: Acoustic boards. Yes. Um, so I would say that yes, from a finishes standpoint, we do need to have. Just about every space that I talked about, especially the meeting spaces, conference rooms, um, need to have some kind of sound-absorptive materials, whether it's acoustic boards, a spray-on finish, something to to help absorb some sound. Oh, that one over there. Oh, yes, the self-standing ones, self-standing pods, yes. Um... I have done one project that had something similar to that, but not exactly like that. I would say that I haven't studied that, but it certainly could be a possibility for finding a, creating a private space within a busy space. So, Great. And um, do I have time to answer one more? Or should I cut? OK, one more.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's, that's actually a very good point. I probably overstated it. I, I would say that um, there are a lot of people who don't, handle, who don't socially handle Teams meetings well. They just don't act like there's nobody around them. There is a bit of cultural shift that does have to happen to think of speaking on a Teams call the same way you do on a phone call. Um, and that just hasn't happened yet. So I would say that if people have a space to go to um, and they can, be com- they can comfortably move there, I would encourage people to at least remind folks that there's an option for that. But you're right, in situations where there just isn't that possibility um, and you're just going to be on Teams call after call after call, um, I would say that we have not yet figured out how to convince people from a training perspective to, to to remind them that you're speaking into a microphone. Let that do the work for you. You can even speak in a lower voice than you would in many cases, and it can work. Um, the computer will auto auto adjust that. So, in terms of that sort of cultural shift, I agree with you. That does have to change because it's going to be around. Um, but to the extent that people have an option to go to another space, it can
0: often work out better for them. So, all right. Thank you again so much. <laughs>